Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Caleb. I'm Colin. And I'm Nash. This week we bring you Mike Dean being terrible, Mike Dean making a mockery of the game, and Mike Dean pissing off Arsenal fans again. Wait, Colin, what? Okay, guys, we finally can get away with not having a single other person for another entire year say, see you next year, poke, 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 <laughs> as they're walking away from you. We don't have to endure that anymore, okay? After an entire week of that fucking greeting, we don't have to get that anymore from anybody. No, it's fine. When they do that, I just walk away and never see them ever again. Yeah, so they never... I try to, at least, yeah. I mean, I was told see you next year by my dad when he went out to get cigarettes that one time. And... <laughs> you didn't grow... <laughs> Colin, you didn't grow up... Anyway... I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> no, I did not. I actually have a very good relationship with my father. Yeah, and I was, was going to say. he only smokes cigars instead of cigarettes. Oh, okay. Very dignified habit to have. Not one that I had. Instead of smoking cigarettes for a little while, I was smoking these tobacco things from India called beeties, which are, there's a specific leaf called the beetle leaf. They used to dry it, roll tobacco in it, and then have a little string holding the end. And it looked like the dankest, most like awesome. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes I used to bring like a pack to America and smoke them in front of some friends at college. And they'd be like, man, that looks awesome, dude. Like all the potheads used to love looking at this thing. And it was the worst shit you could smoke in the world. <laughs> it tasted horrible. It smelled horrible. It left you smelling horrible and made left, left you feeling terrible. So um, fun. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went the other way of Colin's dad. Well, he, whereas he, went up to cigarettes i went down to bds for a little while it was pretty bad it's pretty bad hey speaking of though that that's a rank ordered list that i made right there and i, I wanted to ask you guys in fact i didn't want to ask this colin wanted to ask this but i'm just going to steal his idea oh no <laughs> you called last so i get to call okay, a fine. stolen cool. introduction cool. <laughs> what's your what are your guys's favorite top fives from 2017 like a, a list of anything like what, what's what's you what what's a favorite top five from last year okay i'll go since i made mine last week because i thought we knew this last week um top five albums of last year uh number five anti-socialites by all phase um some nice lo-fi dream pop it's the, it's just like candy for your brain and your ears it's great mm-hmm. uh, number four brick body killed kids still daydream by open my doodle some great art rap in there he's fantastic listen to all of his stuff um number three near to the wild heart of life by japan droids just a garage rock band that can't do any anything wrong in my opinion they're fantastic kind of a i'll admit a little bit down of an album for them which C- celebration rock was better yeah but still a fantastic album, probably in my top five. Yep. And then number two, a three-way tie for the three Saturation albums by Brockhampton. The, they, call, they call themselves a boy band, but really they're a hip-hop group um, that met on the internet and are doing some really fun kind of just high-energy, great hip-hop slash rap. The number one, The Other Side of Power by Algiers. Some great, socially aware, just music to their kind of punk slash soul. The lead singer has this great soulful voice. And get really angry and political and it's fantastic and i love it nice well my top five is gonna be the top five bars i spent the most time or enjoyed the most last year number one is the lexington on the corner of lexington and grand here in saint paul it's my favorite place there's a bartender called Vinny in the back room who you need to go sit with he will introduce you to new cocktails and new stuff and he's just fun to hang out with so uh that was, that was the one at the top. And then there's Moscow on the Hill nearby. Also serves a great martini. I enjoy that place a lot. Then I think I would go with Blackstack Brewing. A nice, fun place to be at. I've never been. I never really want to go. Yeah, you you, you should you should definitely check it out. Um, the Groveland Tap is another good one. Their, Ooh, specials, their specials are freaking out of this world, dude. Like $11 all-you-can-eat fish fry and mm-hmm. fries. Come on, man. And then the Blue Door. Because I love me a Juicy Lucy. Oh, Blue Drop was great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so that that's my top five. Um, kind of going along with that, um, top five worst things that I did to my body this entire year. <laughs> um, number five, um, all of the Malert that I drank while at Riot Fest in Chicago. Um, wow, number five. I had that... For that the list. Oh, oh, Ooh, trust, me. trust me. It gets worse. Um, number four, 
um, putting earbuds in that had the new Arcade Fire album playing on them. <laughs> that that was it's so trash. It, it's it's something that I will never um, be able to recover from, um, especially because it's going to contribute to my hearing loss. Uh, number three, um, not wearing any sunscreen at all at a three day music festival in sunny September. That mm. was not not at all wise. Um, number two, a surprise pick. Um, the entire trip that I made to Portland, in which <laughs> actually I, I had number one. So <laughs> yeah, I know it, it should surprise you all. Um, during that trip, I sprained my ankle. I more than likely tore a rotator cuff, and oh, I didn't tell you the. Uh, the story of ripping one of the dark clouds flags on a barbed wire thing. No, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. I've heard um, that. And then, you know, just tons and tons of alcohol and weed. Um, Number one, I think, I hate to say it, but when you add up all of the jumping, walking, and beer consumption, uh, Minnesota United fandom was probably the worst thing just that the, I did to my body the entire year. And the mental, emotional browbeating you did throughout the season, too. And uh, off-season, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 th- I think it's taken more of a toll on me since the season has I, finished I'm up. just impressed the one month that you didn't drink isn't on that list. But uh, um, yeah. <laughs> That was probably seven yeah. Okay. yeah. Ooh, so close. Hey, speaking of sound, let's get to our top seven segments in the show. At number seven is a segment that we call Loon Monitoring. In the Loon Monitoring segment, we talk about Minnesota United FC, our loons. And since there's no news, I thought we should dwell on all the negatives from last year. We should talk about all of the ways in which our expectations were uh, destroyed. And so how pessimistic we're feeling right now with no rumors, no news, no nothing. So I was just thinking that'd be the thing to do because, you know, we don't have anything to talk about right now. So let's just dwell on the boss and all the crap it was like. So first off, um, you could just do that on Twitter because that's everything that's going on right now. Second, um, we forgot to talk about probably the biggest actual news that happened last week. Uh, Johan Venegas is going out on loan to Deportivo Saprissa, despite the fact that the team hasn't actually announced it yet. Yeah, we, we, we just for... the team that's taking him in. Has. And Johan has also announced it. It was announced the week that we took off for Christmas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Then we came back a week later. It still hadn't been announced by the team officially. And it's still three weeks later hasn't been announced by the team officially. So Do, I don't know what they're waiting for. Because if you go to the Minnesota United FC homepage right now, it's probably the dullest thing I have seen in the whole world. It's, I mean, there's nothing there. In kind of related news, if you need to take a nap or have trouble sleeping, go to the website. And you'll be like, oh, it's... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some sort of strategy at play here, and uh, we'll figure it I out mean, I've soon. I've heard of keeping it close to the vest, but this is fucking ridiculous. Just give us something. Well, I'm not even like, like you're all like, give me something. I need something. I'm, I'm not even there. I'm just like, okay, all right, there's nothing to talk about. I'm just going to be bored as fuck and like, you know, like I said, dwell on the past because there's nothing to feel great about for future. Harrison Heath isn't exactly, you know, uh, the awe-inspiring signing that makes me think like, oh, yeah, 2018 is going to be great, guys. But um, and I think that's the issue, you know, I, some of this, I think, is the team was banking on the fact that we'd be like, oh, the stadium, this is so cool. Watching it go up is, is carrying us through the offseason. But that, that place doesn't open until 2019. So we got an entire year to wait for that thing. And so there, there's that optimism gap. If we're supposed to be so excited about the stadium going up and having that be our driving force during this offseason, they should probably have the stadium cam not be in Flash because nobody's browser accepts Flash anymore. Oh, really? It's in Flash? Yeah, seriously. Like, that's how dull things have gotten. I'm complaining about the fact that I can't watch the stadium cam because it's in Flash. And... I'm I'm smart enough to not let my computer get taken over by a stupid fucking flash applet. If you want me to be, to be excited about the stadium being built, announce that Big Top will be reopened in the stadium. That's all. I was going to say, actually, that the, the thing that's taking away a lot of my optimism for the stadium is the fact that Big Top's going to go away. And when I look at the stadium cam, Big Top is right there. Although, helpfully right now, I can see how busy it is. So, yeah. that that's really nice. I still but. hear a, a, a quiet violin yeah. every time I see Big Top. 
I think Big Top should just move like maybe a half block away and then have a parking lot with its own tailgate. Like you can go buy booze at Big Top, drink it in their parking lot. I think that would be freaking great. I that was talking about this awesome. with a uh, few friends earlier. Um, and we, we workshopped the whole idea. We're going to open our own Big Top franchise. Hey, speaking of the big at the top, let's talk about Major League Soccer in a segment that we call the Major Listing Service. Turns out that all the signing news that we announced last week was wrong, entirely wrong. Like, everything is different. I mean, we got one of them half right. Kind of. Kind of. We'll get to of. that in a second. Yeah. So, first of all, uh, Romero Gamara, my name crush, isn't actually coming to MLS. His agent has now denied that rumor. Um, Carlos Carmona is not going to Colo 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 Colorado. No, not Colorado, but Colo Colo in Chile. They really missed out on a great name. I'm it's, telling you, man. It's... Uh, yeah, it's just a shame. It really is. And Kyle Laren turns out might not be coming to Besiktas. He's in fact going to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Tips Laren. Um, Rumors that he also, also come out that he's a brony as well. So he's gonna oh, fit okay. in well there. Okay. All right. I, are we sure that Mönchengladbach fans are bronies? I thought they'd be more the waifu types. I just see a fedora and I made a lot of assumptions. It's something I'm trying to work on. Okay. I mean, one of my coworkers is a brownie, and when all of our desks moved, his figurines apparently got thrown in the trash by the movers. Those those movers' lives got thrown in the trash by your friend. He was devastated, actually. <laughs> that sucks. That really does suck. But um, you know, oh, you could have gotten a nice waifu pillow to make up for it, and a Magladbach uh, season ticket. Then that would, that would make him much happier. The one thing that does seem to be happening is Sasha Kleschen is, in fact, going to Orlando. So the the sources, quote-unquote, have suggested to ESPN that there is some other pieces of this deal as well. Um, so Kleschen and some allocation money, apparently. I was surprised that the allocation money wasn't going the other way. Um, getting traded, and um, Carlos Rivas and Tommy Redding are coming back to New York. I gotta be honest... I actually almost like this deal for New York. Okay. Like, mm. I, I I know I would love to have Kleshin on my team. Angry Kleshin is probably going to tear apart the Eastern Conference, but he was also a guy that made probably a little bit too much money for a 32-year-old playmaker type. Okay. And in his place, you get a really solid young defender in Tommy Redding, and... Hopefully, you can tell Carlos Rivas to turn his hips like 15 degrees, and then he'll actually shoot on target. I also hear that for Redding to go to New York, it's, it's a really good deal for him because he, Redding, enjoys sitting by the dock of the bay, and being in a sea-based <laughs> uh, team was, was good for him. I mean, did you see the new Red Bulls kits? Yeah. Tommy Redding? <laughs> ho, ho, ho. A lot of red ink on those Red Bulls kits that were released. The other kits that were released was the Re- Revolution, who released a lazy jersey in keeping with their lazy front office. And then the Timbers have teased a new kit, and we haven't seen it. it so from the pictures, it looks pretty sick. Yeah, so no, we will no, find out. Awesome to me. Religiously challenged named player Jesus Medina has signed for New York City <laughs> FC. And uh, some sizzling hot takes about whether this was a good idea or not. You guys have opinions on this? I mean, their parent club, Man City, has their own Jesus. So they did their Jesus to kind of keep pace. Right. Here's my hot take. I've never heard of Jesus Medina. What? Our savior? I've heard of Extremely important town. Don't say that to Medina. I haven't heard of them together. Uh-huh. Even though I know that Mary is the only woman that's listed in the Quran. So this dude was apparently a Man City target. He's a Paraguay international and he's 20. So he's pretty young. And a lot of people are looking at this as, you know, either, oh, Man City using a subsidiary to do their business for them in a, in a way. But other people are like, this is exactly the kind of signing MLS needs. A young player coming over to kind of spend some uh, his like time before the move yeah. to the bigs it's probably both yeah, yeah. I it's, like the idea that the Bronx is being used for money laundering again this, <laughs> this is this is kind of like an Alex Hunter-ish deal if if you will 
Uh, some other news. Switzerland national team defender Reto Ziegler has signed with FC Dallas. Uh, great name signing. Okay. Yeah. Earthquakes acquire forward Danny Hosen. Um, despite the fact that they exposed him to the re-entry draft. Okay, I thought you were like, Oof. as a baby, he was found to be weak and not as strong as the other children. So he's taken into the forest and exposed to the elements like, you know, exposure or death. Anyway. No, no. DC United has acquired Venezuelan national team midfielder Junior Moreno. Um, Senior Moreno, of course, being on ESPN. No relation. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> I got nothing to go on, guys. You got these boring-ass transfer deals. Do and something, I, Minnesota, please, for the love of God. How about and, this? And next week, all of these are going to turn out to be wrong anyway. So <laughs> how about this? Matter, yeah? Since um, Junior Moreno is going to take the potential spot of Chris Durkin in the DC United midfield. Um, I would love to have a U17 national team player on Minnesota United sometime in the next like seven years. Oh, good luck. Hey, did DC United ever make like a sweet Durkin's like parody pickle? Because they should have. That 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 is. <laughs> it may I'm, be too late at this point. Yeah, they should have. They should have done that. It's it should be. In the works. Here's my real Wherever he ends up, what? Sweet pickles? Fucking garbage. Okay. Huh. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's not... I, I'm, uh, sure, you can have that opinion. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. We accept your opinion. Yeah, all right. I like all pickles, but... Uh, LA draft. <laughs> I was going to say all pickles matter, but anyway. LA Galaxy <laughs> I was going to say that and then make it super awkward, but whatever. LA Galaxy have traded Jose Villarreal to Orlando City for a third-round pick in the 2019 MLS Super Draft. Woohoo! And Montreal Impact have acquired Chilean forward Jason Vargas, who sounds a little bit like Johan Vanegas and Jason Mora combined into one person. Oh, no, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, he really is. Let's now move into a segment that we call The Pyramid Scheme, where we talk about the rest of the U.S. soccer pyramid that we haven't talked about yet. The big news, big in air quotes, scare quotes, uh, the NASL lawsuit, which drags on and on. I'm tired of even giving them their own NASL Mageddon sub-segment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some stuff has happened. <laughs> you can Google it if you are really very curious about the NASL lawsuit. I don't care to talk about this until something happens. Either the USSF is made bankrupt, or NASL dies and you know shrivels away into nothingness. Uh, a gleam in the eye of Rocco Camiso. Easy, easy, Herzog. Okay. Um, any NWSL news? I saw that uh, Utah Royals signed a U.S. women's national team player. Um, Heather O'Reilly, I believe. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, it's kind of some of the quiet hot stove things. One thing to keep an eye out for, um, Olympique Lyonnais, um, their women's team, seem to have a pipeline for um, U.S. women. So um, watch that space to see if more players from NWSL and specifically from the women's national team um, start taking off there. Okay. I was going to say Lyonnais might have a, a uh, uh, delivery line for the Lionesses. So they sign a lot of English women's national team players because of that. But that's a pretty lame joke. So I didn't actually make that joke. I just But you, you know, literally just did. Yeah. Damn it. You, you just, <laughs> this is how I get yeah, caught in these things. You just deconstructed the joke that you said Didn't was make, too lame so to even too talk bad. about. Exactly. So, so this is, yeah. let's just move on to the sewer, maybe? Yeah, okay. Next segment is the sewer. In the sewer segment, we talk about our Ninja Turtles, the national teams. And um, this week, we got, again, another great piece of news about literally messy Christian Pulisic, who has, uh, we, we talked about his last-minute winner against Hoffenheim, which was an incredible goal. Yeah. Like, so Incredible beautiful. skill to pull that off. World freaking class. Incredible. Uh, anyway, that was goal of the month for the Bundesliga. And that was good. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Adu apparently hasn't signed with the Swedish club. Third division. Third division. Which, since we don't... He hasn't signed, I don't have to say that name anymore. So He just, humble bragged on Twitter though when he was denying the rumor that there, have been inter- there has been interest from other clubs. So, <laughs> As there, Freddie... Has there? <laughs> Put yourself in the mirror and say that. Has there also been interest from your girlfriend who lives in Canada? Right. <laughs> Montetio is playing for a third division uh, 
Tinder app or something. Anyway, <laughs> um, Ontario midfielder Jonathan Gonzalez said that there was no contact from the U.S. men's national team before the Portugal game. Remember when everyone was like, Jonathan Gonzalez, is he going to choose Mexico? Is he going to choose the U.S.? Mexico or the U.S.? Dude has to choose the U.S. I mean, he, we, we've contacted this great young prospect for sure. He, we've probably given him some assurances. Turns out, no. Which is a terrible move by the u.s federation remember how bruce arena says there aren't any young prospects that are falling through the cracks well ooh, ooh, about ooh. That. found one found yeah one. right there there's there's your prospect i mean there was plenty of reason for him not to play in the portugal friendly given the fixtures was, with yeah, Liga in the, max in the playoffs in the in the, in the final just teeters yeah but the fact that they didn't even call to say hey if it wasn't for this giant game that you have coming up we would call you up We'll call you in January for the actual call-up. Right. I, why? Do that. Just do that. Why is a young player feeling compelled to go to the press with a they-haven't-talked-to-me story? This is stupid. Uh, speaking of stupid, the USSF presidential race drives on and on <laughs> oh, with God. conspiracy theories about the candidates. And um, specifically, Eric Winalda went off to Dubai to speak at a conference. I'm not going to dignify these conspiracy theories with repeating them on, on air That's later. something, something, something important. Illuminati globalist Mecca Dubai. Right. He made, but he shared the stage with people like Gianni Infantino, some very prominent former players. He made some statements that are controversial. I think the most controversial for me thing that he said is moving America to the FIFA calendar, which, hey, look outside a window in Minnesota and you will find a reason why that is a terrible idea. I, for one, welcome these games where it's negative 12 at kickoff. Like, real feel negative 30. Right, exactly. That, that would be pretty it's bad. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but um, he does seem to be getting a lot of kind of press and such. So it's oh, with this election, it's so hard to know who's in the lead because none of us get a vote. I mean, as much as I would like all the prominent podcasts to be the ones casting the vote for the U.S. Did they deny us again? Yeah, I'll sorry. resubmit. Let's, let's, let's just found our own youth soccer association, you know. We can find some local kids to, like, you know, play in the backyard here. And then we'll get a vote. I mean, that seems to be pretty hey, much the Hey, kids, do you want to play soccer in Notch's backyard? No, we don't know you. It's fine. It should go south real fast. I'm Not that sketchy. We can make it like a little we, bit legitimate. We need... Uh, we can get some of those need, fake we, kits that that dude found at Soccer Planet. <laughs> we need Brian Hamp to come over and teach us how to coach exactly. you soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I mean, mean, I could take the three online classes and be okay to coach U9s. Sure. And, and based Let's on that, that Anissa dude, you can be a complete moron and, you know, be in charge of one of these youth soccer associations. So it's all <laughs> fine, man. We, we'll, that's how we'll get a vote. But uh, it does seem like Vinalda is getting a lot of press and seems to be a contender along with uh, Martino and um, Kathy Carter. So I, I, I made my views clear. I think it shouldn't be Kathy Carter, but the rest, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I just I just know that I don't want someone who has been in the middle of SUM and MLS for the last 20 years. Like, I, I'd really like it to be somebody who can have some healthy distance from what's good for MLS and SUM and what's good for the federation and the sport in this country. Again, I mean, some in MLS are in a position where they can just monetize the crap out of American soccer. Go ahead and let them do that and then refocus the federation towards its actual mission of bolstering the game at the youth levels at you know at every single step like because again like look at you talking about policies i mean i could say more about the illuminati conspiracies of all those meetings in dubai yeah, well, one way or the other, this shit show is going to screech to a halt. Uh, Merritt Paulson decided to insert himself into this recently, which that's, you know, every time there's a controversial topic on soccer Twitter, I'm like, you know what this needs? Merritt Paulson. No, 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 no. I mean, there's people that are mad that Nisa doesn't have a vote on the pro council. Yeah. Oh, Nisa doesn't exist yet, oh, and good. yet they're mad about that. You, you brought up something good. Um. NASL earlier in the week wrote a letter to the USSF about voting rights for the various leagues and how NAS, I think MLS has 60% of the voting power or some how very high percentage amount. Yeah, it's it's between 50 and 60. Something so. like that. And then the other leagues kind of have a small cost. So NASL said 25% to USL, 25% to NASL, 25% to MLS, and 25% to NWSL. 
Now, that's a little absurd, but I think the follow-up letter from Paul Caligiuri to the USSF is something to read because he actually argues that NWSL is critically underrepresented right now, which, I mean, that's a problem. If, If the top women's division isn't being treated even close to MLS, the top men's division, then we're never going to get to a point where its issues are brought up in an important way with the federation. You're also seeing our more successful national team players come out of the NWSL, you know? So yeah, again, you know, we talk about the pipeline away from NWSL and towards European right. leagues. Part of the reason why is that NWSL isn't having its interests taken mm-hmm. care of at the federation. Granted, you can also make the claim that maybe these pro leagues shouldn't even have any say in the body that's going to provide oversight for them. That like, is true. I think there there's certainly conflicts there, but if we do think that it's important for the pro leagues to have a say in this conversation, then we should do everything in our power to make sure that men and women are treated equitably. And and from a sporting standpoint, I think it also makes sense to give the lower leagues much higher representation because otherwise it's always going to be a top-heavy focus from the Federation, which is not great. Uh, Mike Pendleton at Fat7Deuce on Twitter... Who he, Fat with a PH. Yeah, he who makes great infographics produced another one from a 1,600-person straw poll that he had taken online. Basically, it was an internet poll of the USSF presidential rate, what people care about, and things like that. There was a lot of great stuff there. Not maybe statistically significant because, again, there's, the sample is heavily skewed. There's all sorts of problems. But it, what was really interesting is people who identified as NWSL fans placed Hope Solo as their top pick for the USSF presidential race. What that tells me is that there's a lot of discontent among those folks in the way you, women's soccer is being represented, where they'd even put Hope Solo, who, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be breaking anyone's heart by saying I don't think she's either the most qualified temperamentally to be in this role, but they were still putting her as someone that they want at the top step big simply because she is an NWSL player. She would at least represent their views a little bit compared to the absolute nothing they're getting right now. I mean, again, the fact that somebody like Kathy Carter, who definitely has bona fides within the women's soccer world, um, she played college soccer, um, the fact that she's not able to get support from that community, I think, is a huge sign that says that the most the most obvious insider choice who would at least be amenable to the women's game and those concerns isn't seen as someone that can actually advocate for those issues. Well, I don't know if she if she isn't able to. I'd say that there would be better advocates out there. It's just that there's a desire to have some advocacy over the nothing that anyone else. Wait a minute, hold offering. on. Some advocacy, oh, really? Freaking dollar sign um. Anyway, <laughs> with that, let's bring the first section of our podcast to the end, and then we'll get to actual games that were played in Europe. Uh, less of this lawsuit signing crap. Uh, disappointment. Less of this disappointment. Lack of Minnesota United crap. So uh, we'll we'll take a break right here, and we will return with part two. So when people find these recordings 20 years from now, what are you going to be the most embarrassed about having admitted to on this podcast? Oh man! Oh, you have to. Are you limiting it? No, to you don't one? get an answer. You get. You, God, we all like, know. Like, <laughs> Colin, you, you, 
like you know that no apology segment that they do on the current at four o'clock every day where they just play like a shitty song that you just proudly love uh, that's basically every single one of my opinions that I say on this podcast so also I think my, my question predicates the existence of shame which I don't think you know you're gonna have any trouble with so yeah fuck that noise <laughs> I mean my dad listens to this podcast and I think I'm pretty careful what I say on here I don't saying I can't really think of any specific I'm sure I said something that I said to you guys when we weren't recording that it wouldn't want recorded a few times but I'd do that off mic for reasons I went I mean I went on a date recently and I was just making some jokes with with the person I was with and she kept saying like man you have this really pessimistic outlook on life and I had to be like no I'm just being really self-depreciating because that sort of humor is what comes to my mind and it's funny and I think that's going to be the thing. I'm going to listen to this later. Or someone is going to actually maybe come up to me in a week or two and be like, man, you sound like you make all these really sad jokes about your life and stuff. And I'm going to have to be like, no, my life's pretty damn fucking great. I just, you know, it's it's more fun to be a self-depreciating character than being like, my life's pretty fucking great, which I just did back there. See? Yeah. Th- there's no redeeming qualities in that. Someone walks into the room and says that. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. But someone yeah. makes a joke about how his life starts. Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, pretty relatable. Basically, if if I was that character, the the my life is awesome character, I'd be sitting here saying something like, "The loser Westberdine, he thinks he has a big mic on his desk when he makes his <laughs> podcast. My mic is also on my desk and it's bigger." That's that. See, that's not great. It sucks. If we're actually talking about real mics, I think his is actually a little bit longer. Ours is wider, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More girthy. <laughs> My mics are a little darker too in color. <laughs> so do you want to do the rest of the podcast hey, or just stop of now? things that we should be ashamed of. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Well, I think it's time to jump into our first segment in part two of the show. The segment that we call The Pub, where we hop into a plane, take it over to England. Leave our shame behind in America and go into a pub each week to cover English soccer. This week, the pub we're going into is the Tired Cormorant. Because I learned through Wikipedia, not through the Liverpool fans sitting on this podcast, but through Wikipedia, that the bird on the crest of Liverpool Football Club is in fact the liver bird, which is typically represented by a cormorant. It is the official bird of the city of Liverpool. Yeah, I just thought it looked cool. I didn't... It's... It's on the crest. You've never been like, hmm, I wonder what bird that is. No, I just go, you never walked alone, but on the scarf and watch my game. I mean, to be fair. Except the bird walks alone because nobody cares about her, apparently. As Minnesota United fans, technically, we don't entirely know what that bird is. Which bird? The bird on the crest because... Minnesota United, that's a loon, dude. We decided it's a loon. No, it's black with a red eye. That well, is the common loon, okay? Well, yeah. Much like yourself. Nature fight. <laughs> I, I thought that was a very good joke that just flew by everybody. No, I got and, it. Yeah, I okay, it. thanks. Yeah. thanks. I, had to, I had to pause it's for a moment. It's funny because, like birds, that joke just flew right on by. Oh, I like that. I like that. We're on fire, part two. We drank like six beers before coming back on here. At and this mine pub were all surly abrasive. Nice. At, at this pub called... The Tired Cormorant, because Liverpool Football Club played two games in 48 hours, as Jurgen Klopp was uh, apt to point out. They got six points in 48 hours as well. Yeah. Almost a fully rotated lineup for the second well, game. Pretty much. I mean, uh, at the last game, which was the first game, uh, Salah came off limping, so he wasn't starting. Um, but mostly rotated. I think Mane played a little bit of both games. He... Scored in the second game, an absolute streamer, and people are saying so, that he so is. So, which which were the two results that we're talking about here? Uh, they beat uh, Leicester two to one, for going down, and apparently you can't give up a lead in the second half. You don't have a lead at halftime. So, tapping head meme, exactly. Which uh, you were literally doing right I, now. I was. Uh, Jimmy Vardy scored in the third minute. All hope was lost, and then most all stars threw in the second half. Then Burnley, uh, other two one win. Uh, we. To see the equalizer of a set piece later in the game, expected from Liverpool. Then we scored a late winner off of a set piece, very unexpected. Ragnar Klavan becomes the first Estonian to score in the Premier League. They pulled a reverse Liverpool. 
Yeah. In the end, it's kind of nice, you guys. I'm kind of used to this. <laughs> yeah, famous last words. <laughs> Manchester City had uh, two results this week, and shock horror didn't actually win every game that they played. They actually tied Crystal Palace nil nil. But so, before that, they did beat Newcastle United one. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the Palace game, Gabriel Jesus and Kevin De Bruyne both went off injured. Um, that, I believe Jesus has a six-day injury that he will be returning from. Um, it's actually <laughs> three one days, two months, and yeah. Is that in the New New Testament or? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... just writing a new one. It's revised. <laughs> it's my version. I made some edits, like the you know. book of Nash. <laughs> But um, regardless, uh, Pep Guardiola, after the game, um, had some very, very stern comments towards the FA about how they failed to protect players, even suggesting that the FA were, quote, going to kill players. <laughs> you guys remember That's when... a little excessive. You remember Maybe. when when Mourinho brought UNICEF into the conspiracy when he was when Mourinho was coaching Bar- Real Madrid and he said that Uni- UNICEF, UEFA, and all these other international organizations were helping <laughs> Barca win the Champions League. This is like on well, that level. Did UNICEF ever respond? Because maybe they're like, just let it pass. Maybe don't. Let it pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, there is a reason to complain in terms of how physical that game was because really it it became clear that the only way that you can not lose to Man City is to beat up two of their star attackers. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne started today, so I think yeah. he's going to be fine. Yeah, he'll he'll be totally fine, but Where do you where do you guys stand on there being an extremely physical element legal but physical legal from the game standpoint, physical element to stopping very talented teams. I mean, we've seen this with Neymar. Anytime he goes on a pitch against a less talented player, which is every game, he gets hacked to bits. There's a fine line between protecting the player and just giving them calls because they're better. I don't know how to balance that line, um, but I like to see star players stay healthy because that's what made, that makes the games interesting. I would tend to agree. I think that especially for players that are being singled out for Mm -hmm. their talents by basically people just going full out into tackles to the point where, yeah, you should be calling fouls. I, I do think that as much as we talk about accumulation as part of a reason to give a yellow card to somebody that's had five fouls and a half. I almost do think that there should be some amount of credence given to the accumulation of bad tackles that have been suffered by a specific player. Okay. Well, like I said, though, I'm, I'm talking about legal tackles, just, you know, those clattering fouls. But yeah, I mean, and, and the and, other, the and other, again, like, uh, the the game was founded on being very physical, particularly in England. It was always a terribly physical game with all sorts of meanness. And there is now a claim that footballers are soft, quote-unquote. So what's what's the line there? Because some of these, these... This is an issue we face in MLS, too. I think the line does have to be... If something is too aggressive to be considered part of the game like if there seems to be not necessarily malice within it but if the point is to just knock somebody over rather than knock somebody off the ball so you can get advantage then yeah that's a foul and if it's being played out to the silly extent that sometimes man city has been suffering because again you know their attacking players are that good the only way that you can stop them is by getting them stretchered off then yeah sure and okay may- and maybe var will help this just or finds after the game if players are consistently targeting other players yeah um yeah VAR, there's stuff missed on the pitch by the refs and the ars so maybe var can go back and look to those um 
fouls during the game and they didn't issue cards how they see fit. Speaking of VAR and video review, let's talk about Arsenal's last few days where Mike Dean, oh, Mike Dean came up and destroyed. Hold on. on. Let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about the more like we would have actually enjoyed talking about this conspiracy going on. Um, that definitely came to play uh, when Arsenal beat Palace 3-2 on the road. Um, I've seen it called Celebgate, where Alexis Sanchez, when he was celebrating his goals, was uh, not being joined by his fellow players. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there because neither of you guys are participating. Um Lauren Koscielny should not be running from his spot as a center back all the way to a goal celebration. Mm -hmm. Like, that should not happen. He has better things to do with his energy than running halfway down the pitch to celebrate a goal. Like, let him celebrate where he is in peace for fuck's sake. Um, Moreover, this meme that, like the Arsenal midfield won't pass to Alexis Sanchez. I know it was Aaron Ramsey at first, but Jack Wilshere had also been singled out by some of my Arsenal brethren. Um, Did you see that outlet pass? Yeah. Oh my God, that was pitch perfect. That was the the second Arsenal goal was um, Wilshere throwing an incredible long ball to the Sanchez who slots it in. Great goals in this game. And Arsenal managing to hold through despite Crystal Palace getting that 89th minute goal from James Tompkins. And then, of course, going on to their second game. Sweet Jesus, motherfucking God, Mike Dean. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? Um, Okay, so Arsenal went up 1-0. Alexis Sanchez had a free kick deflected into the goal. And then... I believe Should specify he, they're playing West Brom here. Yeah, playing West Brom. Um, and then 85th minute, thereabouts, um, Mike Dean awards a penalty for the ball striking Callum Chambers on the arm that he has tucked into his body. Yeah. yeah that it was, was, it was not real bad. A, it was not an unnatural position at all. Should not it, have been a penalty that struck. Stuck. Mike Dean was 30 yards away from that on the pitch. Callum Chambers' back was turned to Mike Dean, which means that for all that Mike Dean knew, the ball could have actually struck him like in the stomach without touching his arm. Now, it has to be mentioned that the one goal Arsenal did get here was also a James McLean own goal, so West Brom did score two in this game, technically. I mean, <laughs> so just give him all three points. Yeah. I mean, after Gabriel Jesus got injured, I said that that free kick was going to be Sanchez's final goal for Arsenal, but yeah, whatever. Um, Here's the thing. A lot of discussion after Mike Dean fucking up royally about the need for VAR, the need for, um, you know, referees need to be doing certain things to make sure that they're sticking up with the play and all that. No, no. This isn't a refereeing issue in the macro sense. This is a micro issue of Mike Dean just being horrendous at his job. This does seem to be a consistent topic of conversation. Now, December 16th was a seminal day in the English Premier League because the question of will anyone stop Man City was answered when they thumped Tottenham Hotspur 4-1. Since then, those Spurs have scored three against Burnley, five against Southampton who scored two. They've also put in two against Swansea just today to put themselves in fifth place on the table, just ahead of Arsenal, with both teams having played 21 games. Harry Kane also broke that stupid calendar record that is completely meaningless. It's meaningless. Yay, scored goals in a season is what matters. I'm also going to just say this, that Arsenal should be two points closer. Yeah. If it wasn't for stupid fucking Mike Dean. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Arsene Wenger is now facing FA charges about his conduct 
and more than likely will see at least a four-match ban for storming into Mike Dean's office and telling him how bad of a referee he is, which was entirely fucking accurate. By the time Worth you listen, it. by the time you listen to this podcast, Arsenal will have probably played Chelsea, who smashed Stoke five nil recently. Uh, this is Mark Hughes' swan song, yeah. Yeah, they lost to Newcastle one nothing two days afterwards. So I'm surprised he isn't sacked now. Yeah. Apparently, they're still going to give him until the FA Cup. Why? Because they don't want to have to pay out bonuses for players in the FA Cup, I guess. Gotcha. That's my only explanation <laughs> for it. Manchester United had two results. One of them was a nil-nil game against Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate you, Josie. That was yeah. uh, three draws in a row for Manchester United, which they then broke against Everton because Everton's also trash. Well, Sam Allardyce uh, isn't, but you know. <laughs> uh, Jose Mourinho, on criticism from Paul Scholes, said this. The only thing he does is criticize Scholes will be in history as a phenomenal player, not a pundit. If Paul decides to be a manager one day, I wish he can be 25% as successful as myself. 50% is 12 and a half silverware. 25% is around six, in brackets, trophies. If he's 25%, he will be quite Happy. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good career. Yeah, wishing well on Paul Stoles apparently. Yeah, that yeah. very bad um, in the common. Not only that, uh, let's face it: if Man United draw three times in a row and look completely lifeless, and Paul Scholes says, "Hey, Man United look completely lifeless right now," maybe Paul Scholes is actually a good pundit. Yeah, that's I, true. I wouldn't go that uh, far. But <laughs> two great goals in this game: uh, Jesse Lingard and Anthony Martial. Just. Right, don't look them up. They're fantastic. The best 45 minutes I mentioned has played in that four-game stretch. Yep. Let's now move into a segment that we call They Don't Call It Soccer. In brackets, some do, though. We pretty much only have to talk about Serie A because all the other European leagues that we want to talk about were on break. They were on a break! <laughs> Sorry. No problem. <laughs> Benevento, they of having lost every game they've played this entire season so Except far. Except for one. Yes, which they, they, they tied, they, they tied AC Milan. Milan. Uh, now they've actually beat Kievo 1-0 on a very, very, very sloppy goal. But hey, it counts. So Benevento now going to win Serie A uh, by the end of the season. <laughs> maybe in like 40 years they'll do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't. Who knows? But uh, Napoli beat Crotone 1-0 and retained first place in Serie A. And uh, Juve beat somebody 3-1. Kievo. To uh, keep place with Napoli. (laughs) Yeah, Kievo was the team that played Benevento. So um, that's Serie A for you. We'll fetch it in post. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, we won't. No, we won't. Uh, the, the the one big piece of news though from world soccer is it has not nothing to actually do with the game though. Yeah, uh, George Weah is now president of Liberia, which I, happened. I guess that's kind of cool, right? I enjoyed it- the uh, uh, MLS subreddit headline here, which was son, uh, "Father of USMNT <laughs> player Timothy Weah, George Weah," and someone else was like, "This is the only place in which George Weah will be described as Tim Weah's father." <laughs> but uh, that's very true. Yeah, former Ballon d'Or winner George Weah is now president of Liberia. I should point out that this is being reported as a feel-good story worldwide. Hey, sportsman who is an awesome player does this awesome feat of becoming a president, brings hope, blah 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 um, Liberia, of course, was for many years under the boot of Charles Taylor, a person convicted of crimes against humanity and incarcerated in, in England for the same. When he was in, I think it was when he was actually like in hiding after being thrown from power, he and his wife um, divorced because she was like, well, we don't see each other anymore. It wasn't kind of them like growing apart or anything like or there being a break or anything. It was just like, we're not in the same country anymore, so we're going to divorce. That ex-wife is George Weah's uh, running mate Oh, in this election. So... Um, oh, there were shit. also some reports of Charles Taylor from prison in England speaking on a phone call to supporters where he talked about um, some very obtuse references to this election and how he supported his ex-wife, basically. His ex-wife also said something about Charles Taylor's policies being something that the country needs to go back to. So 
you know, I'm not saying George Weah is Charles Taylor. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But I'm just saying that he has a some, little bit of a sketchy connection to Charles Taylor's ex-wife and Charles Taylor's former political party. So there's some, there's some weird stuff going on there that you should keep in mind instead of just having this be like a feel-good story only. Well, on that just totally uplifting note, let's move on to that segment. Uh, the Reynolds wrap, wrap up with Colin, where he takes the Saturn conspiracy you're thinking of, you know you are, and makes it blossom in front of your very ears. <laughs> so, <laughs> the fact that Mike Dean still exists as a referee <laughs> We're still is, on this? is completely <laughs> galling. Here's the deal. His most recent notable game was one in which he seemed to make up every single bit of ill will that he's ever had against Arsenal by giving just stupid yellows and pens in a North London derby. Before that, January 2017, he put Phil Jones, who pretty much took out Sofian Figuli and then injured himself in the process and made it seem as though Figuli had stamped on on Jones, sent him off, and then suddenly Man U beats West Ham 2-0. Just completely ridiculous. How in the fuck is Mike Dean still a referee in the Premier League? There's not actually an answer to that, because those who want to come up with sorts of conspiracies to keep Mike Dean, like, there are no photos that Mike Dean has of Prince William, who I think still actually has a lead role in the FA. There's no photos of Prince William in compromising positions that could still keep Mike Dean as a referee. There are no monetary payments that would allow for Mike Dean to still be a referee. Every single cover-up that you could use for Mike Dean to still be a referee in any league above U7s, any conspiracy that you could come up with, the conspirators would say, you know what, no, this this guy's just really bad. Like, he's going to expose us at some point. Let's just let's just wipe our hands clean of him. Like this is beyond conspiracy level. This is beyond the shit that I can come up with. I literally cannot, in my creative brain, fathom a conspiracy that would allow Mike Dean to still be a referee. I it boggles my mind, and I can't even make fun of this anymore. Okay. All right. Well, what else is there to say except tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at the attachment. Deep breaths, Colin. Deep breaths. I'm surprised that I even breathed in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at KOLSON716. Uh, also, for 55.1. Uh, thank you to Tectonics for using, let us use their song Lustless as our theme music. Um, check out their Facebook page. It's where they announce all their shows. You can find me at TWO United Fans. You can find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere, which is where you can tell your friends to find us, if you would, please. And uh, we'll take a break now. We'll return next week with our next episode. Goodbye, everyone.